unto uh, God and ask his blessing upon the word this morning. Uh, yeah, I wonder if you could grab me a glass of water when it's convenient for you. I'd appreciate that, please. Father God, we thank you, Lord, for the truths Steve was singing about. We thank you, Lord, for the truth from your word. And as we uh, go into your word and delve into the scriptures, I pray that you would grant to each and every one of us a spirit of wisdom and of revelation and the knowledge of, of the word. Lord, would we grant us understanding, uh, and Lord, more than that, a, a, a doing heart. Lord, that we would not only just hear the word, but we would practice the word, that we'd be doers of the word. Lord, it's fundamental to our walk with you to, to be skilled and trained in the word of God. And so, Heavenly Father, we ask that, as I would share this morning, that you would pour out your spirit upon us and that we'd be conscious of the anointing of the Lord here this morning in Jesus' name. And everyone said? Amen. 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 Praise God. So I would just want to do a very brief cap for those of you that weren't here um, last week. And we were looking at the authority that we have as believers, what Christ has done. And we began to look at the, the whole aspect of spiritual warfare. Thank you, sweetheart. Thank you. As it was outlined in the scriptures, in particular in the Old Testament, um, we had a couple of very interesting things. But we looked first at Luke chapter 9. And we saw that Jesus called his disciples unto us, unto him. And we saw that uh, those that are following Jesus today would be considered his disciples. So we are the disciples of today. So what Jesus said to his disciples back then is relevant to us now. Can you say amen? Amen. Hallelujah. So Jesus called his disciples together and gave them power over all devils and to cure diseases. So we have the, the power to, to heal the sick, to, to raise the dead, uh, to cleanse the lepers, and to cast out demons. Every single one of us, you know, you need to understand that you are God's chosen vessel, anointed with the Holy Spirit, so that when you encounter this kind of thing, that you uh, are the authority in, in that area. Because Jesus said, all authority in heaven and earth is given unto me. Go ye. Therefore he delegated that authority of heaven and earth to those that would go in the name of Jesus. And so it's really important that we see that. We saw another spiritual principle in 1 Corinthians 15, uh, verse 46. It says, the spiritual did not come first, but the natural, and after that, the spiritual. And we saw that there's a principle laid down in, in, in the scriptures, that you can look at the Old Testament through, the, through a New Testament lens, okay? So the Old Testament will give you an insight as to what Jesus has done for us as New Testament believers. So we, we looked at a couple of things. Uh, the, the physical battles that Israel was engaged in is really a prototype of the spiritual warfare that New Testament believers are engaged in. Can you say amen? And so we saw, uh, we looked at uh, 2 Kings chapter 6, it's a wonderful chapter, uh, just reviewing it very quickly, how uh, the king of Syria was trying to uh, capture the king of Israel, and the, the people uh, uh, were, uh, uh, the, the Spirit of God was speaking to Elisha, and Elisha was telling the king, don't go down on that road, because uh, the king of Syria set an ambush for you there. And the king of Syria was becoming extremely frustrated that every time he tried to, to attack the, the, the king, his trap was sprung, so to speak. 
And as a, result, as a result, he found out that it was Elisha who was giving the king these words of knowledge. And so he, he gathers his army together and sends him after uh, Elisha. And you'll remember how uh, Gehazi got up early in the morning and, and had a panic attack when he saw uh, all the uh, Syrian army surrounding their encampment. And uh, Elisha comes along and he prays that Gehazi's eyes are open and suddenly he sees that the hills are filled with horses and chariots of fire. And so God showed him the spiritual warfare that was taking place. And as a result of that, uh, the, the, the Syrians come to attack, but the battle had already been won. And so uh, Elisha stands up there and says, Lord, strike them with blindness. We know that was only a temporary thing until uh, God healed them. And uh, they, they gave up and went back to their land. But uh, we see that that was the first uh, real spiritual battle, the spiritual warfare insight that's given in the scriptures. And then we saw that uh, that, that was a, a fulfillment of Deuteronomy 32.30, that one shall chase the thousand, but two can chase ten thousand. And so Elisha literally took the whole army captive. And it, it really is a picture of how effective the believer is in spiritual warfare. If we only understood that when we pray, we go to warfare, even if we're standing on thousands are scattered. If we stand together in the prayer meeting, you know, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands are, are, are scattered. There's real power in, in, in this corporate anointing and, and a believing prayer. So one can chase a thousand, two can put ten thousand to flight. Uh, then we saw that we looked at uh, Revelations. Uh, why am I saying Revelations today? Uh, Ephesians six twelve. Uh, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. And we saw that the, the spiritual wickedness in high places is the Greek word eperanios. And eperanios means above the sky, or the celestial heavens, or the or the, you know, the heavenlies. And so very clearly, the Greek delineates where this spiritual battle takes place, where we actually wrestle is uh, above the skies. It's the principalities and powers of darkness that we wrestle against. Uh, then we saw, uh, and we bring this to a close, uh, the, the, the great battle in uh, the book of Daniel. Uh, I love that particular account because as you read Daniel, Daniel 9 and, and 10, you see exactly what's going on. Daniel chapter 9, uh, uh, God reveals to Daniel about the Messiah and how he's going to be cut off. And uh, he's really interested uh, and, and concerned. And he's actually in great turmoil to find out what's going to happen to the rest of the people. Because God just told him the Messiah is going to be cut off. And so he seeks to, to uh, find out from God what's actually happening. And in chapter 10, we find that the answer taking place. Uh, the first day that he set his um, uh, mind to understand God and the, the purposes of God, um, the, the angel was dispatched. And you know how the Prince of Persia uh, withstood him. And we saw the Prince of Persia and the Prince of uh, Greece. Uh, and then finally in, in, in the, the 12th chapter of Daniel, we see, that, uh, we see this angelic warfare, that there's an angel assigned to the people of Israel. Uh, and that's Michael, the great angelic prince who fights for the people of Israel. And so we see uh, that there was a principle that uh, in, in uh, every land, every principality, where, where the king, a kingdom is where the king reigns, a principality is where a prince reigns. And so we see that, that the, there is a structure in the spiritual warfare that there are fallen angels assigned to, to countries like Persia and Greece and Israel. But God has 
his people, his angels on assignment who are there uh, to uh, uh, bring the will of God to pass. And so we have this uh, divine angelic warfare taking place in the heavenlies. That, that was uh, the principle of what we, we saw. And then finally, with the last week we saw in Corinthians, uh, Colossians 2.15, having spoiled printed and powers, he made a show of them openly triumphing in them. And we saw that that, was, that that Greek word was very interesting. It was three ambua. And three ambua actually uh, means a, a, a noisy praise or a, a procession of praise. And it really relates to the Roman triumphal procession. And we saw from history, uh, when, whenever the, the Romans conquered a nation, they would go into Rome and there would be this big parade. And the defeated generals would be stripped and, and chained and dragged behind the conquering general. And uh, finally, as the, the, the ultimate humiliation, uh, the fallen generals would have both their thumbs cut off and both their toes cut off. And the reason for that was so that they would never be able to raise another war because you need your thumb to hold a sword. That's where the power comes from is, is your thumb. And so without your thumb, you can't really securely hold a sword. So you remove your thumbs, you remove your ability to fight. If you remove your big toes, you remove the ability uh, to run and and. Uh, uh, even walk properly. And so that's where we got up to last week. Um, I was hoping to get to the, the, the spiritual weapons this week, but sorry, we're not going to be there yet. Um, but I, I think what, what I'm going to share with you, I hope that you'll be blessed and encouraged by it. Uh, so again, we go back to uh, uh, Ephesians chapter 6, and let's ask God's blessing. Father, as we look fresh, Lord, on, on, on this, we pray that we'd see things with new eyes. Lord, that you would give us an encounter with you as we uh, explore the scriptures and dig deeply into your word. And so, Father, speak to us, we pray in Jesus' wonderful name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. So, Ephesians 6.12, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. You know, when you talk to people about wrestling, one thing comes to mind. Uh, and it's the WWF, the World Wide Wrestling Federation. Are there any fans here this morning? Oh, yeah. Uh, we, 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 some, uh, we cut out for this this morning. But, you know, in, in the 80s, uh, there was a famous uh, New Zealand uh, wrestling team called the Bushwhackers. And they used to, they used to wrestle uh, in the American World Wide Wrestling Federation. There were people like Jake the Snake Roberts and uh, the Million Dollar Man, Ted DiBiase. No, 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 not ringing any bells, I can see. Uh, interestingly, uh, Ted DiBiase, uh, who had this incredible uh, fame and fortune, has got saved. And now he spends his days, now that he's no longer wrestling, walking around and preaching the gospel wherever he goes. So he's a great evangelist talking about the things that God has done in his life. Anyway, you can have that one for free. That's all by the way. But you know, most people, when you, when you uh, think of wrestling, actually have the idea that it's entertainment. You know, it's kind of, if you've ever seen a wrestling match on TV, you know, you see the agility and the athleticism of the athletes, great showmanship. Uh, and it's it's almost you know timed very well. So, but it's a great fun night out for the family. And so when when we when we look at this word, we wrestle not against principalities. Often we have that kind of concept. You know, it's a fun night out for the family. We we wrestling. We don't understand. In the old days, when the Bible, uh, the early church 
looked at this word, they got a totally different picture. It, they didn't get a picture of entertainment or athleticism or anything like that. And uh, it, it, it really had, uh, was something totally different. You know, some modern translations translate this word wrestle as struggle. But both these words, wrestle and struggle, are woefully inadequate to describe what's really going on here. You've got to go back. Remember I said to you, if you, if you look at the word wrestle, you'll get, you'll get blessed. And if you dug into it, you'll find out a couple of things. The first thing is that Greek word wrestle is actually the, the Greek word parlay. Uh, and it's uh, a, a very interesting word. It's one of the most famous words uh, in, in Greek culture. And around the world, you know how Hellenism actually impacted the, the, the world uh, back then. So uh, everybody was aware of this. They, they spoke uh, Greek, Korne Greek in, uh, in Israel. And so the world was really impacted by this. And so when they talked about wrestling, Paule, everybody knew what that really meant. Unfortunately for us, during the, through the mists of times, we've lost this understanding. Uh, in, in that day, everybody knew. Today, hardly anybody knows. There, uh, there are some people who know, but most people don't know uh, what, what Pauline is all about. Now, if you understand uh, the, the, the Greek mentality, the Greek culture, they were fanatical about sports, weren't they? Yeah. They were the guys that invented the Olympics. You know, it was uh, boxing and running and long jump and, and javelin throwing. It was any kind of competitive sports were there, you know, and they would be a part of that. Um, they, they, they were the, the, the authors of uh, pancreation, equestrian events, and everything. So, Paulé was a huge sporting word, okay? And, and the whole culture knew, when you talked about Paul, the whole culture of that day understood what was going on. It was like, a, a comparison today would be like if we talked about the World Cup rugby. You know, you, you talk about world, the rugby World Cup, and just about everybody in New Zealand doesn't need an explanation. Even the most basic Kiwi knows about rugby. Can you say amen? Amen. Thank you. Praise God. You know, if, if you encourage me, I'll get better. <laughs> but, you know, it's important that we see that, you know, that, that this word, uh, Paulé, was uh, to the Greeks what rugby is to you and I. That it, it was a word that needed no explanation. Everybody understood uh, this word, Paulé, and uh, what it really entailed. Uh, but as I say, through the, through the midst of time, uh, we've kind of lost that understanding and, and so I want to, I want to ex, uh, explain to you uh, what Paulé actually is and how it came about. You know, it was one of the most ferocious and fear, uh, fearsome gladiatorial sports there was. I mean, this is this really a vicious uh, uh, kind of sport. It was really um, extreme combat. You've heard about mixed martial arts where they, they include wrestling and boxing and all that. Well, this was re- pancration. Uh, from which we get this word Paulé from, is, is this, this sport uh, that's a mixed martial arts. And uh, it, it's really quite incredible. That, uh, there are virtually no rules in pancreation. Uh, today, when we have a boxing match, you see that the, the boxers have big, big gloves to protect the other guy from the knuckles and, and, and getting a, a real beating. Uh, back then, there was no such thing as protective clothing. You didn't have you didn't have boxing gloves and knee guards and elbow braces. No, you didn't have any protective clothing. In fact, in that day, you actually wrestled in the nude with no rules. 
I'll leave it to your imagination to think what went on, okay? So it was a very, very a brutal sport. Uh, it was incredibly difficult. Mixed martial arts, no rules, okay? And every large Greek city had a, had a palestra. And a palestra uh, is a palace of combat. That's how much they loved the idea. Now, this is all in the minds of, of, of the Jewish readers, the early church, when they read, we wrestle. All these pictures come to mind of, uh, of the, the palestra, the place of wrestling, and the kind of warfare that's involved. So it's a mixed martial arts. And there were only three sports that took place in the palestra. Uh, and that was uh, boxing, uh, wrestling, and pancreation. But it was pancreation that was the most barbaric and the most brutal combat of sport that there was back in the day. And it was common, uh, a common practice for pancreation fighters, uh, these wrestlers, if you like, to lock hands. You, you see it in, 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 in the fake wrestling of today. They, they lock hands and they swap your hand, your hand around. But back in the day, back in, in, in the early Grecian Empire, they would swap your hands and they would bend your fingers back until they broke them. And that was the objective, to break the fingers, because then the man couldn't use his hands. And you had severely disabled it. And so now you could go to fight. Now you could really do some harm. And that's what pancreation was about. It was about total destruction of your enemy. So not only would they break their hand, the fight, the pancreation fighters often fought to the death. And in fact, if you go back into the early Olympic records, you find that there was this fighter, a pancreation fighter, whose name was I didn't, I was, I was going to try and uh, pronounce it. I'm not even going to. Okay. Uh, it's about eight and six hours. No, it's really a difficult word to pronounce. But uh, he was a pancreation fighter in the early Olympics. And he literally died in the ring after a bout. He got locked in a, in a headlock. Uh, and this guy was, was strangling him. And the only thing that he could think to do was to break the ankle of the other man. So he was twisting the foot. And at, at the last moment, uh, his competitor uh, signaled that uh, he, he had submitted. So not all fights were unto the death, but it was common for people to die in the ring. And here's one from the early Olympics. And so he broke this man's ankle at the same time that, that after that he, he indicated that he had submitted. The guy got up, uh, the victor got up and collapsed and died. And they still awarded him uh, the winner of the pancreation fight. So many times, pancreation was a fight to the death. We need to understand that because that's what the early world thought when they saw this word wrestle. It was a vicious blood sport that was often to the death. And so when we understand that that's the background and this is the way the early church would have viewed this word wrestle, then we understand the kind of warfare that we're in. So when you see uh, this in, in, uh, in the scriptures, don't think entertainment. Think that it's a fight to the death. Did they do it by free will? Yeah, they, they, they did it by free will. Some of them were, some of them were slaves, but most, most of the pancreation fighters did it for free will, for the reputation. They were highly glorified. They became very rich. And so many of them would go in. It wasn't necessarily a fight to the death, but many people died uh, trying to, to win the battle. Okay, so... Uh, don't, when you see this word wrestle in the scriptures, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, we need to understand that this is a fight to the death. 
that we are locked in mortal combat with the principalities and powers of darkness. That's really what we're up against. And that's what Paul is saying. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and against powers. We are locked in a life and death struggle with the powers of darkness with virtually no rules. And for the most part, the church is grossly ignorant that we're in a battle. For the most part, the church doesn't realize that the devil is playing for keeps. Can you say amen? amen. He's playing for keeps. He wants to destroy us. Yeah. You know? And so we need to understand that you know, sometimes when I look at Christians' lives and, and, and their the weapons, you know, their, their swords are rusty. Their blessed the, uh, rate of righteousness is tarnished. The belt of truth is so stretched that it hardly does the job anymore. You know? It's like, where's my helmet of salvation? I know it's around here somewhere. The body of Christ as a whole is not really geared for warfare. They don't realize that this is a life and death struggle. That the enemy that you and I face is out to destroy you. You know, it, it's really sad. One of the things I've experienced as a pastor over the years, and, uh, and it's one of my greatest regrets is I, I, you, I, you know that I love to tell people to get into the Word and, and memorize the Word. It's one of the, one of the things we really major on. But one of the things that really troubles me is every now and again, uh, I see how unprepared God's people are as a whole. Uh, you know, suddenly they find that their wife or their husband has cancer, and now they realize that this is a fight to the death. It's always been a fight to the death. But the realization now comes too late. And, and you realize that there's no word in them. There's no, uh, there's no sword to fight back with. There's no faith because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. of God. So they have no faith, no word. And now they're locked in a life and death struggle. And many times the tragedy is that people pass away. when they, If they believe God, they had a fighting chance. They could have done something. And so I want to say to you that, you know, you need to use this time to prepare yourself for the battle. The devil has a battle down the road that is tailor-made just for you. And so we have an opportunity now to, to build ourselves up and to prepare for this warfare, for this wrestling match that's coming that could be a life and death struggle by building the Word of God into our lives and, and developing uh, faith in us. So... It says this in, 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 in the first couple of verses of Ephesians 6. First couple of words. For we wrestle. I want you to notice this. It says, not if we wrestle, or maybe we wrestle. It says, for we wrestle. This is a foregone conclusion. You are going to be wrestling in this match that is a life and death struggle. Whether you are prepared or not, whether you want it or not, whether you are ready or not, you're going to be locked into this life and death struggle. And it, there's going to be a time when you're going to have to fight or die. And so you have an opportunity now to build the Word of God into our life and to quote Scripture. Man, one of the biggest things you can do, and we'll get into this when we begin to look at the weapons of our warfare, is getting the Word of God in you. Uh, and begin to have a rich foundation. Remember Paul uh, says to the Colossians in Colossians 3.16, let the word of God dwell in you richly. In other words, let there be an abundance of that. And we, we'll look at that because it's important. Those are the weapons that we use to fight. Can you say amen? amen. So the truth is, it says we, we wrestle. 
None of us are going to be able to escape from a time that's coming when we're going to be drawn into this fight. We are going to be drawn into it, whether we like it or not. We are going to wrestle. We're going to wrestle the principalities and powers for sure. We are at war with an unrelenting, ruthless, and determined enemy. Can you say amen? amen? You see, the forces of darkness are cold, callous, and calculating. And their desire is to, to overcome you and to destroy you. The battle is coming. You know, the, the devil and his cronies are on a seek and destroy mission. That's the reality. They are out to, to capture you, to take you away from God. Whether it's getting you to sit down in front of your TV and, uh, instead of having your quiet time with the Lord, that's part of the plan. That's the, the, to get you away from the Lord. And if they can get you far enough away from the Lord, they will be able to pounce, which we'll see in, in a moment. The battle is coming, and our enemies on a seek and destroy mission. Like their master, they are charged to kill, to steal, and to destroy. That's what really we are facing. You know, think about your loved ones and your family. If they are not saved, the devil's really well ahead of you. Play and enter into this warfare and start praying for their salvation. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Did you know it's actually very easy uh, to kill special forces people? You know, Delta Force, SAS, um, you know, uh, Navy SEALs. You can kill them if they're asleep. You know, if they're asleep, their weapons, their training uh, count for nothing. It's, uh, you know, their skills. Don't count for anything when you're asleep. Uh, so the problem is with special forces is they never go to sleep. Amen. There is always somebody on guard. There is always somebody watching over him. They are uh, never let their guard down. They maintain constant vigilance. They live battle ready. Amen. That's why they are so incredibly successful. They are battle-ready, you know, it's, and it's really important that we understand that that's how we should be. So, you know, when I was in the, in, in the Army during our war, uh, I was part of the Fire Force Unit. And the Fire Force Unit was a, a unit was that whenever the, there was contact with the enemy and there was a battle going on, uh, that we would be, uh, we'd be tasked to, to go in. We were the, the airborne reinforcements. Um, so whenever there was trouble, uh, we, we, they'd pick us up and they'd fly us into the battle and we, we'd engage the enemy. We'd support the guys who came onto contact. But, you know, we had to be battle ready. And, and the rule was you had three minutes to get into the chopper and get airborne. You could be naked in the shower when that alarm goes off. But three minutes later, you are airborne and battle ready. And so you lived Prepared to fight the battle. Your weapons were never out of arm's reach. The only time that you, you were more than arm's reach away from your weapon was when you were in your shower because you didn't want to get the, your weapons wet. And then they would be from here closer than, than Steve's guitar. They, they, would, they would just be out of the spray. And so when, when the alarm went, you had three minutes to, to get dressed, jump into the chopper with all your, with all your fighting equipment. We lived battle ready. And that's really what Paul is saying to the church. You know, that, that Christians ought to be prepared for battle every moment of every day. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Praise God. You know, we need to be prepared. We need to be training ourselves and disciplining ourselves to do that. 
and I think part of the problem happens when, when we get saved. You know, we come into the church, we're hurt and we're broken, and uh, we come in and, and we're just overwhelmed by the love that that we receive in the body of Christ, and it's wonderful. We get we get saved, and you know, and then we begin to drift. Somehow, in the in the discipleship process, we never tell new believers, "Hey, you're going to be involved in a struggle that that is going to try and take your life, your spiritual life, from you, and maybe even your physical life if you're not careful." We need to recognize that every single one of us are part of the army of the Lord. Anyone said? Amen. We are trained and we are armed with God. Jesus has equipped us with all authority and power. The reason that much of the church is on the defensive. How many of you look around you and you see the church going backwards? There was a time when the church was a force to be reckoned with. You know, we stood up against kings and kings trembled. Today, any gay, lesbian person is ready to take on any, any member of the church or even the whole church as a whole. They're not afraid. Yeah. How did this inversion happen yeah. when we have all the power, when we have all the authority? I'm telling you, it's because the great, uh, uh, vast hordes of Christendom are spiritually asleep. I hate to say that, but it's true. And that's the enemy is taking advantage of that. Let's just read again uh, Ephesians 6. And we're going to start at verse 11 and we'll finish at verse 13. Put on the whole armor guard that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to sin. How many want to overcome the devil? Oh. Absolutely. And so we, we need to be understood. This is what's saying how we actually do it. How we can overcome, how we can prevail in the evil day. And so if we look carefully at what's going on, uh, we'll begin to uh, get get an insight as to how we can walk in victory. It says, put on the whole armor. That word put on is is the Greek word enduo. And enduo actually means to embrace all, to to gather up everything. Uh, Also to put on. So uh, it's to put on all. Okay, And it really talks about the, the uh, being arrayed in full battle dress and the context in which this uh, this word is used it's been arrayed in full battle dress literally it's talking about the Christian who is dressed to kill and I don't mean in your, in your high heels and stilettos I mean I mean you're prepared for battle okay and so that's really what this word endure means that you you embrace it all it's it's speaking about a state of readiness of mind of body, and of weapons. You know, we might be really uh, in tune with the Spirit of God mentally and spiritually, but how well armed are you? How much of the Word is inside of you? Because the Word is your sword, as we will see as we go on. We need to be well equipped. We need to be prepared in in our mind, in our body, and with our our weapons. Why? Because we're engaged in a life and death struggle. Ready for every eventuality. Paul says if we do that, we'll be able to stand. Listen, good preparation is the foundation for success. Amen? Amen? It's the key to spiritual victory. It's how we overcome. It's if we are prepared, 
like the, these teachers know that they want to prepare their students for the exams. And so they tell them, this is what you're going to be tested on. This is, what, this is the scope of the stuff. And you need to prepare in the same way that their students don't prepare many people in the body of Christ. Can I be so bold? This is a don't prepare. Don't don't do it. Don't get all that uh, all their weapons. They don't. Uh, they're not arrayed in battle dress. They're not dressed to kill. Verse eleven says this: that we we're able to stand against the wiles of the the, dem- the devil. You know that's an old English word. It's archaic, um, but it's very interesting in the Greek because it's the it's the Greek word methodia, and it's where we get our English words method from tactics uh, from. It's that, that, that concept uh, that uh, it's the schemes of the devil, if you like. Some versions translate it that way. Um, so it, it's important that if we're going to learn to overcome the devil, that we need to learn to know how he operates and know what we have at our disposal to overcome him. But this word methodia, and uh, I, I've read this description thousands of times. I don't know why it hasn't dawned on me. But this, this week it dawned on me. There's one other um, uh, explanation of, of this word methodia, and that means to lie in wait. And it suddenly hit me like a ton of bricks. That is the definition of an ambush. Somebody who lies in wait to take advantage of you. So this word methodia, the wiles, is speaking about how the devil is going to ambush you as a believer. So, Really important. Okay? When we are arrayed in full battle dress, when we are dressed to kill, you know, we can overcome the schemes and the tactics, and it, it doesn't matter how the devil tries to ambush in us. It doesn't matter what he does. We, when we are dressed and prepared, and the word of God is in our mouth, we shall overcome. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. We shall overcome. And so, I need you to understand something about this word ambush. Okay, this is the devil's modus operandi, and it really is happens in our life. Have you ever wondered or said this? Things are going bad, and then suddenly something really bad happens, and you say words similar to this: "Why does this happen now?" Ever said that? Yeah. yeah, of course we have. We all, we all have. The problem is that the, it happens there because this was a strategic time when the enemy set an ambush for you to make sure that he can extract the maximum amount of damage from your life. You see, an ambush is a place that is strategically chosen in time. It takes place at a chosen place and a chosen time. And an ambush is a kill zone. It's a kill zone designed to give you the tactical advantage. Now, the devil's not stupid. He understands that he wants to get the tactical advantage because he knows the weapons of our warfare. He knows that we are superior and he needs to attack us where he has the tactical advantage. So the kill zone is there to maximize its devastating effect. Striking your enemy at the weakest point, exposing their greatest vulnerability. Vulnerability. It's about exploiting their weakness. It's designed to kill or to capture the enemy. The devil's modus operandi to lie in wait 
for a moment where he can strike and gain a tactical advantage over you and I. He can actually uh, pursue and, and, and bring us captive or even kill us, destroy us spiritually. And that's, that's really what the warfare is all about. And the truth is, if we're brutally honest with ourselves, we all wear these wonderful masks. How's it going? Oh, wonderful. Thank you. <laughs> Down inside, we are falling to pieces. Down inside, we are hurting. We wear this, this mask. And so I would encourage you this morning to, to be brave enough to take away the mask and really uh, look at some of the weaknesses in your life, those areas of, of vulnerability where the enemy lies in wait seeking to exploit you. Each person is different. For one person, it may be pride, maybe may be lust, lies, greed, or, or maybe something totally. But if we're really honest and we dig deep enough in ourselves, we all have an area of vulnerability. And everyone said? Amen. Oh, really <laughs> so, it's really important that we look at ourselves and that we begin to guard against those areas of vulnerability. God wants us to build ourselves up in that area of weakness, whatever it is. You've got to surround yourself with the Word of God. You've got to say, hey, I'm not going down there. I'm not going to partake of that. You know, if it's watching bad things on TV, put a scripture that says, I'm going to say no evil things before my eyes. Whatever it is, surround yourself with the Word of God. Make yourself accountable to somebody. You know, if he knows all my weaknesses. She knows my failures. She knows the, the innermost secrets of my heart. Because I'm accountable to her. And so, you know, it's, it's, this is part of the, the idea is that we look at our weaknesses and we do something about it. We actually put on the whole armor of God because we're involved in a no-holds-barred battle. And it's really important. You know, Lots of, lots of uh, the church doesn't realize that we're at war with the forces of darkness. They're fast asleep, and many have been destroyed. Countless millions in Christendom have fallen by the wayside and no longer go to church, no longer serve the, the Lord because they didn't realize that they were in a life and death struggle and the devil ambushed them at a moment of, uh, of opportunity and he took them captive or destroyed them. We have an opportunity this morning. If you're honest, you know the things that you need to deal with. You need to, you need to build up yourself upon the Word of God and begin to meditate on it. Because the truth is, the devil doesn't fight fair. Yeah. This is not Queensbury rules, you know. Um, you know listen, that's not how the devil fights. The devil's really there as, as, a, as a street brawler. He's there. Uh, this is a fight to the death, you know. Uh, it's a brawl. And he, he has no problems kicking you when you're down. So when you have an opportunity, clean your rifle. When you have an opportunity, sharpen your sword. When you have an opportunity, uh, begin to build the Word of God into your life. Because we're involved in this struggle. Some Christians are a little bit better than, than, than most. They recognize that they are in a war and they're wrestling. But they're wrestling for entertainment. They have, they have this partial idea. Well, I, yeah, I've, I've resisted the devil a bit. You know, I, I try and, and make sure that, uh, you know, I don't fall into that trap. But, you know, the devil is out waging total warfare against the body of Christ. What is total warfare? He wants to capture you and kill you. 
That's what he wants to do. And we can't, oh, yeah, no, I'm, you know, I'm, yeah, no spiritual war. Our lost ones are, are going to hell, a place of eternal suffering, and we hardly pray for them. Well, the devil wages total war. But the truth is, we are arrayed for battle. We are dressed to kill. We are prepared, body, soul, and spirit. If we are on guard, we shall overcome the devil's ambush. We will be able uh, to walk in victory, take advantage even uh, of, of the, ta the tactical advantage that the devil has. We will overcome. Now, look at verse 13, if you will, with me. It says, Wherefore, take unto you, you the whole armor of God. Very interesting, these two words, a uh, whole armor of God. Uh, in the Greek, it's actually uh, analambano panoplia. Uh, and so, analambano panoplia, it's really good. I've been practicing that all week, trying not to spit my teeth out. Oh, you laugh. You're so hard this morning, man. <laughs> oh, no, you go look it up in the dictionary. I'll spell it phonetically for you. Okay. Uh, uh, I, I spelled it this way, A-N-N-A, and Lamb, L-A-M-B, Bar, B-A-R, hyphen N-O, and a Lambano, okay? Uh, it's, uh, and Panoplia is P-A-N-O-P-P-L-E-E-A-H. You can look it up in the Strong School Concordance, so that'll give you the correct spelling. I did it, did it phonetically, so I could pronounce it correctly. But Lambano means to receive all. To take everything, the whole armor of God, whatever you have. Paul is saying, you take it all when you go into battle. You don't want to get into battle and think, oh, I left my sword back at base. Don't. That, that could be uncomfortable. That could be difficult, you know. You take everything when you go into battle. Take all. And a lambano. You receive everything. Receive all, the whole armor of God. This is telling us when the enemy strikes us, we embrace all our weapons, use all, and we make a comprehensive assault on the enemy. I told you just now that I, I was part of the fire force unit called in whenever there was trouble. Uh, but whenever the, the war, the first tactic that you're taught to, in combat is that you must win the firefight. And so in order to do that, you throw down as much lead as you possibly can into the enemy's position to get them to lower their head when you're firing at them. So you open fire heavily on the enemy. You give it all. And a lambona, you throw everything at them. They put their heads down. You can advance while they can't see what you're doing. And, and you're on top of them before they know what's hit them. And that's how you walk in triumph. That is how you overcome. This is the principle that Paul is getting at. He says, Analambano, take it all. Take all your weapons and go to war in, in a strategic way. Fight with everything you possibly have. Uh, so we need to win the firefight as believers. Uh, take unto you the whole armor of God. Hit him with everything you have because you're fighting a no hold barred battle. So often, we cry and we whinge and we say, oh God, help. Instead of realizing that we are the warriors of God. Instead of realizing that we are equipped and trained for battle. You know, we need to repent. We need to repent. We need to repent. We need to pray. We need to believe. We need to fast. Quote scriptures. You know, do it. You know, uh, renew your mind. Forgive. Stand. Do whatever you need. Stand your ground. Throw the kitchen sink at the devil. 
you know, win the firefight. Use everything, Anna Lambana, everything at your disposal, and you'll be able to stand. It goes on to say in verse 13, Wherefore take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to withstand. Very interesting, this word withstand. If you look at it in the Greek, it's antihistamine. Uh, and uh, so uh, antihistamine is, you can actually almost hear, uh, hear another word that we're familiar in English, but it really means to resist or to, to repel, this word uh, in the Greek. And we are very familiar with antihistamines. It comes from the same root word as, as, as this word uh, to withstand. And so what, what do antihistamines do? They repel or resist the symptoms of allergies, hay fevers, bee stings, and bites. And stuff. That's, and that's what the antihistamines do. And it comes from this word uh, antihistamine, and it means to repel or to resist. So take the whole armor of God that you may be able to. Just withstand. Anna Lambano, uh, Panoplia, and Thistomy. Man, I said, yes, I, I, I worked so hard for that. Come on, guys, give me some encouragement. <laughs> Listen to this word in English. You know, it, it, as we begin to understand the richness of the word, we'll, we'll be uh, strengthened. Our English word to withstand means to remain undamaged or unaffected by resistance or adversity. <laughs> <laughs> Let me give it to you again. To withstand means to remain undamaged or unaffected by resistance or uh, adversity. <laughs> that is a win. <laughs> so, I love you. Now, uh, listen to, to what that verse is saying. Take the whole armor of God that. You should circle the word that. Underline it or something. It, it, what follows is, is as a consequence of what gone before. Take on the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand. Paul is saying though it's your weapons that enable you to withstand. You know, that's why he says, you know, let the word of God dwell in you richly in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. He wants you to be have a full uh, load of the word of God so that you'll be able to withstand. What that's telling us is that no matter what the devil does, how he attacks, we can stand. We can remain undamaged, unaffected, because of the superiority of our armor or weapons that God provides. Amen. A bit like Ukraine, Ukraine, isn't it? They were standing the might of Russia because of the superiority of their weapons. The same thing is going on. Paul is saying, you have superior weapons. Put them on. Go to battle with everything you have, and you will be able to stand, no matter what the devil does. You know, he might be the, the prince of fallen angels, but he's no match for the believer who knows the word of God, who's covered by the blood of the Lamb, who's walking in the power and the authority of the Spirit. Amen? Amen. Okay, we're bringing this to a close now. We must stand our ground. Okay, that means we've got to be persistent. We've got to use some endurance and some courage. It takes some time to win some battles. We can't give up halfway through. Having done all to stand. When you've done everything you possibly know how, when you, you've done everything, you, uh, you throw in the kitchen sink and, and, and the devil's still standing, you've got to outstand the devil. Okay? 
So we, we stand our ground. We are patient. We, we're going to stand the ground until we have subdued the enemy. And the promise of, of God's word is that we will overcome. Our loved ones will be saved. They will no longer be in the devil's territory. They will be redeemed from the kingdom of darkness and brought into the kingdom of light. Can you say amen? Our sick will be healed because, we, that, because of what Jesus has done. We know the weapons that we have. Begin to use them. Begin to add them to your armor. Seek them all. We will overcome because God is for us. And if God is for us, who will be against us? When we are weak, he is strong. The things that are impossible of man are possible with God. God leads us in paths of triumph. Folk, if you will do what I'm sharing with you this morning and begin to meditate and memorize the word of God, sharpen that, that, that sword and make it battle ready. I'm telling you, when the enemy comes against you, he's going to be sorry he picked on you. He's going to be running with his tail between his legs. Because you are prepared for battle. You're going to be like a special forces unit prepared for battle every moment of every day. That's our heritage. That's what God wants for the church in Jesus' name. Let's bow our heads in a word of prayer. Father, forgive us for our undisciplined lifestyle. Lord, where we treated your word as something to be enjoyed to Lord, we've seen it as entertainment rather as training for battle. Forgive us, Lord, for our lackadaisical attitudes and, Lord, our undisciplined way of life. Uh, Lord, that we haven't meditated upon the Word of God. We haven't hidden the Word of God in our heart that we might not sin against you. Lord, we haven't prepared properly. And I pray, Lord, for myself and I pray for my brothers and sisters that as we look at this teaching that we will not just be hearers of the Word but doers. We want to not to be hearers only, Lord, but doers of the word. So, Father, help us to purpose in our hearts even now to, to, to start to meditate on Scripture, memorize Scripture, so that when the ambush comes at that strategic time in our life, Lord, we are prepared for the battle. And so, Father, we just pray. We pray that you would do a new work in us. We recognize, Lord, the empowerment that you've given to us, the riches of the, the weapons at our disposal. Help us to become familiar with them, experts in the Word of God, ready uh, for battle of any shape, fashion, or form. So, Father, I pray that we would do something about this message uh, and that we would begin to grow in, in the things of God and that we would send the devil packing wherever he is and whatever he's doing in Jesus name and everyone said